Welcome to episode 226 of the Energy Talks podcast. I'm energy and climate journalist Markham Hislop. Professor Jason McLean told me on a previous episode that the Alberta Energy Regulator is the most captured regulator in Canada. That is, the AER puts the interests of the regulated industry, primarily the oil and gas sector, above the public interest. Professor McLean further told me that the AER was designed to be captured from its inception in 2013. This is, at least in part, why watching the AER mud wrestle with Alpha Bow Energy in court is so entertaining. Alpha Bow has its own sordid history that I partly explained in part two of our Unethical Oil investigative series. To try and sort out this tangled, tangled web of whatever this is, I'm joined by Drew Uchuk, a public interest lawyer with the University of Calgary. Welcome to the interview, Drew. Thanks for having me on again. I I, I warn uh, everybody who's listening to this podcast, there's going to be a lot of laughing. Because I, I don't know what else, if you don't laugh at this stuff, uh, you'd go mad. It's, uh, you know what, Drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to you. I'm not going to try to explain this because I'll make a hash of it. So this has to do with the implementation of the government's new LLR. What the heck is that? And where are we at? So, uh, the old L the LLR was the old system, the uh, licensee liability rating system. And that was where they were calculating their estimate of assets and their estimate of liabilities. And they were calculating both of them wrong and trying to make sure that companies had a, a ratio of either one or two. And it's a total disaster by 2016. They say they are going to in term replace it by bumping the number to two and come up with a replacement. So that was when I first heard of it. I was still a law student at that point, And I thought there would be a new system within a year or two. And we're seven years out from there and three years out from 2020 when Alberta announces they're going to replace that system with the new one. And the Alphabo hearing, which isn't actually in court, it's before the AER with the AER closure and liability management branch arguing against Alphabo at the AER hearing panel. So it's all AER all over the place here about the implementation of the new system. Well, let's, so listeners are are sitting there puzzled uh, wherever they're listening to this going, why, why do we care? Well, on the conventional oil and gas side in Alberta alone, just Alberta, no other province, there the environment unfunded environmental liabilities are conservatively estimated at about 150 billion dollars so if you live in another part of canada that isn't alberta uh chances are very good in my opinion that you will probably be ponying up some of your tax dollars to reclaim old oil wells and ga gas facilities and pipelines and what have you for which the the regulator uh, which the first one came in in alberta in 1938 and they never they've been mishandling this issue ever since it's an absolute disaster and so the background to this drew is that the in 1995 i think it was 95 or 86 but anyway we'll say 95 the government decided it wasn't going to take any security whatsoever 
on these old, you know, wells that needed to be reclaimed, orphan wells, whatever. And and so it just said, look, we're we're going to uh put in this uh LLR system. What the heck is that? So uh we've talked about the LLR in some detail on some of the past ones. So I, I don't yeah. want to get too far into it because the LLR is just mind-boggling. But um it 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 was just an attempt to make sure that all the oil and gas companies had at least as many assets as they had closure liabilities. So they weren't, they weren't insolvent. Yeah. It it was a test for insolvency, but it was really poorly designed. It didn't work. We can, we can skim over it by saying that it just did not work. Government has now accepted it did not work. Everyone involved has accepted that it did not work. There's still a bit of argument about how the disaster happened, but it was a huge mess. So 2020, the Alberta government announces they're replacing it. They're going to come up with this, that they provide new policy direction to the AER because it's the Alberta government who sets policy, the AER has to carry that. The policy instruction they get on what to replace it with is three or four lines. They're told they're going to do a holistic assessment and whole of life cycle liability management. The AER is supposed to come up with specifics. They haven't... They kind of did and then didn't because they just released a bulletin saying that they'll be implementing, they'll be consulting on it next year and then implementing it by the end of 2024. So a four-year implementation period is way too long on this. As your podcast is about, the energy transition is ongoing. We're we're missing our chance. Uh, yeah. Alberta's chance to do something about like this is, is slipping away from us as we continue to talk about the same issue. But that was the LLR, now it's dead. Some new, uh, they keep changing the name of it to the licensee capability assessment or the holistic licensee assessment. Who knows what it'll end up being called is halfway through creation and Alphabo is one of the first companies to be subject to it. Right, the bottom line is we have a whole bunch of, and I mean a whole bunch of unfunded environmental liabilities, but, and the regulator, and I guess the government are trying to figure out what the heck to do with these things. So they bring in this new system. Now let's talk about Alphabo because Alphabo has got its own history that is as tangled and confusing as you could possibly imagine. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you to give, take a whirl, take a crack at explaining that to our audience, please. So there's a, a huge piece of litigation relating to a, to a set of companies called Perpetual and then later Sequoia that are engaged in transactions that the AER alleges were set up to deliberately defeat the regulatory system in 2016. Uh, that litigation is still ongoing. I've kind of lost track of it. They, the bankruptcy trustee hasn't posted anything in a while. So that's still on the way. But one of the companies created by this, which has a huge set of inactive wells and a lot of rapidly aging wells or marginal wells with very low production is Alphabo. So they already exist by 2019. By 2019, the AER is already holding meetings with them about what are you going to do because you're you're barely scraping by as a company. Well, and and what makes this complicated is that the assets of Perpetual were split, right? So the unproductive assets that, that were already 
if they weren't liabilities, they were very close to it, went into this other perpetual company that then was later renamed Sequoia that did actually fail and has left a bunch of orphan wells. You can see the interview I did with uh, Dwight Popovich from uh, Two Hills, Alberta, uh, who has a an old Sequoia uh, orphan well on his property and can't sell his property because of so, I mean, that's common. It's thousands of those things. Uh, but I thought that the the productive assets were split off from the perpetual company into Alphabo. Was that not the case? So uh, they produced multiple companies. I think there might have even been a few ones that have almost nothing left in them. One of them became the more infamous Sequoia, which is, went bankrupt quite a while ago. That's the subject of the litigation. There's still a company called Perpetual that's still operating. Um, that had the, the good assets. This one was Sequoia Operating Core. Um, another Sequoia who later changed its name to Alphabet. And they seem to have been given a range of bad, but not completely doomed Maybe not. I don't even. I don't know how to assess exactly the finances of. Who knows why they did it? They produced two different sequoias. One of them changed their name to Alphabo. This is the company that is scraping by since 2019. Gotcha. So yes. we have a perpetual that's still operating with some decent assets. We've got a Alphabo, which was a sequoia and and has uh, marginal assets, and then we had the other sequoia that went bankrupt. That, that had basically stripper wells and was doomed to failure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the middle company just scraping by. Okay. Everybody out in, in energy uh, media land, are you following this? Because, okay. Anyway, we're doing our best here, folks. Yeah. This is, this is complicated. Okay. So the, now we've got Alpha Bows in trouble. And you tweeted about a hearing that is was ongoing that was a little bizarre uh why don't you tell us about that so uh as a little background of the size of alphabo now uh the AER did provide this because the hearings open a great opportunity to learn something that's going on in a regulatory inside the regulator because the hearings are semi open they're not totally open there was one day of closed submissions here so there's some evidence that i don't have and that the public won't ever get but Alphabo is estimated to have $264 million in uh, asset retirement obligations or closure obligations. Those are under the, the old method of estimating, which is still partially in use. So it, it's going to be higher than that. Uh, it comes out to 3,785 wells and uh, only 884 of those are active and 661 of them are marginal. So they have 225 or so wells that are operating above the marginal level. Um, they pretty recently got 20 million from the federal government through the site rehabilitation program. And they owe 15 million in taxes to municipalities and 29 million to landowners. AER has been keeping an eye on them for four years in see uh july 28th 2022 the ar limits alphabo's licensee eligibility which means they can't buy or sell licenses without going through special review and then 
Uh, on March 29th, the AER tries to set up a meeting with Alphabo to tell them they're thinking about being subject to an order. The CEO says, I can't talk right now. I'm getting on a plane. Uh, and the AER uh, sends him a letter, says, you know, don't worry about it. We're sending you the order. And the next day they send an order saying, we're suspending your use of all your assets. The Orphan Well Association is temporarily taking over unless you can post this 15 million deposit, but one tenth of their uh, inactive liability. Uh, so, okay. So one of the things that, one of the issues that Alberta is grappling with, and we should point out that this is an issue that every other jurisdiction with oil and gas production in, in North America is also grappling with, is they all chose not to take some kind of security at the beginning of the well's life cycle because they wanted the industry to grow and they wanted, you know, more jobs and more government revenue and all the benefits, economic benefits that came with that. And, but then they found down the road that the companies, they just assumed the companies, they thought the companies were good guys, right? We even have, we have letters, you know, from the Alberta regulators saying that we thought they were good guys. And then we discovered that when these wells came to the end of their productive life and the companies had to spend money to reclaim them, they wiggled, they tried to wiggle out of them. They they had all sorts of complex schemes set up, kind of I mean, I don't know, maybe like this. I am I gonna get sued by Alphabo if I if I say this? But they had all sorts of ways to avoid their liabilities. And and so these liabilities continue to mount over the years. And now here we are. This seems to me to be a little insight, a little window into the Alberta oil and gas industry's unwillingness to pay for its liabilities. There's a culture of this. There's a history of this. There's almost 100 years of it. And, and this is just one more example. And the twisted tale, the twisted paths that you have to follow to find out how these guys basically hid their behavior. And Alphabo maybe changes ownership in 2020. Um, they're, so they're somewhat separated from the company that conducted the, the odd transactions 2016 to 2019. So it's the AER now trying to deal with this company that has a financial situation that should never have existed. If Alberta had had a decent regulatory system, any time before 2016, this company wouldn't be in the financial situation that it is. So this is the AAR trying to play catch up. What do we do with this company, given that we it already exists? It's too late for them to go back and fix it. Uh, and the hearing was the company's lawyers arguing that the AER would be better off letting the company run as best it possibly can and optimistically generate enough profit to slowly close their assets over an uncertain amount of time because closing them down provides less benefit to the public, uh, which is an odd place for the hearing to go. But it, it was really, that was what a lot of it was. The company saying, Alberta's better off letting us just do our best with the low, low yield assets and the few valuable wells we have than closing us down. But there's a long history of the AER already doing that. I mean, remember, we've seen correspondence where the AER says, look, we're in a bind. We we want it, you know, we've got this LLR, we, we you know, 
if you go below one, they're in trouble and we have to intervene and maybe ask for security. But if we do that, we throw the company into bankruptcy and we achieve the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. And so we're going to give them some grace and we're going to try to work with them. And they we've had years of that and they went bankrupt anyway. And then the environmental liabilities, they got they basically became orphan wells in name, call them limbo wells. But anyway, so there's, I mean, this is the very thing that Alphabo is asking seems to be the thing that the AER did for a long time unsuccessfully. Yes. And the Alphabo, one of Alphabo's other arguments was to read the Auditor General reports, which we did another episode about, and say, well, the Auditor General says, you know, you got to be more careful not to drive companies into bankruptcy because when you collect security, you just drive companies into bankruptcy. But the Auditor General's report, that, that is a very odd understanding of what the Auditor General was saying, because the report says you should have been collecting a lot more security a lot earlier, not just don't collect security. Um, and it's, <laughs> yeah, so it was weird to hear the Auditor General's report being interpreted that in that direction. But the but didn't the the uh, Alphabo's lawyer also argued that part of the problem is that the AAR is a crappy regulator? Yeah, part of it was that there it was there was no predictability in what was coming up next because of the new system being only partially developed after three years after they announced that they were starting to do this. So they said we had no idea you were going to close us down. Uh, we we've been working with you for four years. You know, and we, we've had all these non-compliances and we just have more meetings and we come up with a deal and you, you work with us and, you know, you bend the rules here and there and we find a way to keep scraping by. We thought you would just keep doing that. What's going on? And so that that is kind of an administrative law problem where administrative tribunals should be predictable. But the AER has been given pretty clear instruction to not keep doing exactly what it's been doing in the past. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then there was a wrinkle there where, where the, the alphabet lawyer accused the AER of being, of being bigoted and biased against Chinese owned companies, because this, this company, the, 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 the new owner is called the Wuhan gas transportation company or something. And it was Chinese uh, private equity that came into the industry after 2010 and picked up a lot of these distressed assets. And so the lawyer says that they're bigots. Well, and yes, and that's in the, to defend the lawyer for a moment. A lawyer should make every argument that might benefit a client. And I, I don't know, maybe there is a day of evidence that they don't have access to. Maybe they have some incredible sticky note that should never have been created and they'll win. But offhand that that's my understanding of what happened the the chinese investment into alberta comes in and picks up a bunch of troubled assets during the mid 2010s that's the connection um the other concern is that because this did happen with the other sequoia actually that a chinese owner basically left the jurisdiction and couldn't be found again for an extended period of time and the aer was worried that I think when they they got that email that said, "Oh, we can't talk right now. We're getting on a plane," the someone at the AAR might have thought, "Oh my God, they're getting on a plane, and we're never hearing from this person again." Which turned out not to be the case. I was surprised too that Alphabo ve fought very hard to try to retain control of their assets and stay open as a company. 
which is kind of confusing given the overall financial assessment the AAR has of them. Like someone, either the company or the AAR has a misunderstanding of the condition the company's in. Well, uh, it sounds like the company is losing money insolvent, and yet it keeps coming up with the money to hire expensive legal help uh, to participate in these hearings. And, and I don't, I have no explanation for how that makes sense. I mean, they are, they're generating some revenue on their assets and they're arguing that they, they do own a um, carbon capture facility, which they say is going to be increasingly valuable in the future as carbon taxes go up and that they'll be able to put that money towards closing the assets. So that was their case for why they should be allowed to stay open. That they make some money on gas and they're going to be able to sequester enough carbon to to pay for this over the long time period. Oh, oh here we go. The company, uh, Al, uh, Alphabo's ownership now is ultimately the Wuhan Green Energy Natural Gas Transportation Group. A surprise that I didn't I didn't remember that. Um, but what struck me about this is through a chain of five corporations, including one in the Cayman Islands. I mean, this is beginning to sound like a Dallas plot. And from my experience of the oil and gas industry, uh, that's not that unusual. Oh, so uh, seriously? Like a ton of oil and gas companies just operate through a lot of different shells and international investment companies and it's it's not unusual that you'll see a company in the chain that's in the cayman islands or at the british or american virgin islands or it'll go through ireland for some reason that's it, sometimes sometimes all they're doing is uh the legal version of tax evasion i can't remember exactly what the term is it's they're reducing their tax bill they're reducing their liability i mean it, it's it, it always looks suspicious but it's also ordinary now Okay, so all of this, uh, it doesn't sound like we should point out, I, I uh, you know, it doesn't sound like Alphabo is doing anything illegal. I, I would agree. There's no, well, they're not fulfilling their regulatory requirements to maintain their wells as they should, uh, which is one thing that provided a lot of evidence. And we'll see where the, the hearing panel comes down on that because the AER said, we're finding leaky wells and pipelines that you guys own all the time. And Alphabo saying, look, when you tell us that they're leaking, we're going out there as fast as we can to fix them. And the AER says, well, that's not good enough. We shouldn't be finding these leaking wells. <laughs> uh, this shouldn't be happening at all. We shouldn't be dealing with you all the time for four years. Can you imagine if the if the industry uh, relied on the AER to just find its leaks and problems? I mean, there's 440,000 kilometers of pipeline within the within Alberta alone, and like 90,000 facilities and 650,000 rough no 464,000 wells. And and if, if every company took Alphabo's position was was well, just you know, if you find a stuff, let us know. We'll we'll go and fix it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there. Uh, part of the what I think has made the hearing odd is that it's the the management of Alphabo seems to be putting forward a really firm argument that we're doing our best. We're doing our best in the circumstances we have as a as a financial company. You shouldn't shut us down because we're doing our best. But that's not 
the question here. The question is, does the company make enough financial sense that the AER should allow them to continue to operate? Because uh, it's it's not it's not a question of fairness. It is a financial question. Okay, so I have two takeaways from this, and I'll get you to comment on both of them. The first one is, we've seen references in AER documents, and I should uh, note in the while I was writing uh, part two of our unethical oil series on conventional oil and gas, Drew was a major uh, source of of expertise, expert commentary, and he because he he uh, gets documents from the AER and the government through the Freedom of Information Act. He also made it a few of those uh, available to me, uh, so that I could quote them in in the uh, in the piece. And the you find the regulator. Uh, making comments all the time about, and they're they're not specific, but they're kind of general. You know that the the companies get into these complex and complicated webs of, you know, ownership and various, you know, in order to evade their liability responsibilities. So that's on the one hand, there's a lot of pretty suspect behavior, and has been for decades in the Alberta oil and gas industry, which is one of the reasons why, you know, we call it unethical oil. Uh, it's not ethical oil. Uh, but secondly, then you've got this regulator that I don't know, I am sure there are well-intentioned and competent people in there, but as a, as an organization has got to be one of the most dysfunctional institutions that we've ever reported on. And so you've got, you've got industry trying to evade, you know, the rules, basically and the regulator that doesn't even doesn't always seem to know what the rules are and and how to enforce them and the resulting uh, is the result is chaos far too often more far more often than it should be is that fair is that a, a fair assessment yeah and i i think the the chaos has been uh caused by how slow they've been to replace the old LLR. They knew the thing was broken by 2016. They had years to assess it. They got policy direction from the Alberta government in 2020. Uh, they're saying they're going to take comment on a plan and put out a, a final version at the end of 2024. I thought they had designed that new system and announced it in 2021. I already commented on it. I said it wasn't very good. But now they're, they're, I feel like it's Groundhog Day where they're not announcing the new program. They're just saying they're announcing more program and it's not coming into force. So the company says that they don't understand what their requirements are because, well, I, I have to slightly agree with Alphabo there. It's pretty hard to understand what the AAR is going to do next or what the expectations are because the words are just holistic. Now. We're going to take a holistic look and we're going to exercise our discretion. I don't know what that means. No one can figure out what that means. We have to point out, we have to point out that uh, from 1938 to, to, to 2000, when the AAR first brought in its, its licensee liability uh, management system, that there were about 25, that it had accumulated 25,000 wells in this category that's called, at least used to be called suspended and inactive where basically the the well gets plugged and then it it waits to be properly remediated and, and reclaimed and brought back to the sta state it's supposed to be. And some of those wells have been like that in, for decades in that list. But anyway, there's 25,000 uh, by 2000 when uh, when the AER, where the, the regulator uh, brings in this new system, 
that's supposed to fix things. Well, how well did they fix things? 20 years later, by 2020, there are 97,000 suspended and inactive wells. So I, I don't know, if you call quadrupling the number of problem wells that you've got, I, these guys are the keystone cops of regulators. And I, one thing I've tried to keep in mind is to separate out the AER in the past from the AER starting today. If I were, if, I don't know, if I were cursed somehow and I had to take over the AER, what, what would I do about it, given that what a deep hole they're in from these years of mistakes? So I try to have some sympathy for the people who are trying to do something about it now. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Because um, that that's really a big problem. And that's what they're trying to address in Alphabet. Given the company that they already have in front of them, I don't know. It may be the correct answer is just to actually force them into bankruptcy, have the OWA take over another 1,280 inactive wells and 1,500 abandoned ones for reclamation. But that's not an ideal outcome either. I mean, the ideal outcomes are gone. It's too late to get them. Yeah, I, I can't say this enough. If you don't take security at the beginning of the well's life cycle, you have to take it at some other point in the life cycle. And there's never a good time from the industry's point of view to be spending money uh, or putting money aside for that work. Right. Yeah. They, they once once that well is up and making money, they don't want to spend a, one more nickel than they absolutely have to uh, to keep it making money. And they sure don't want to be giving money to the AER security. Uh, and so, you know, the horses want the, the horses out of the barn, man. And and all you're doing is closing the door behind it. So we we're, we've been deep in the weeds here for about about almost half an hour, Drew. If we were going to now draw back to the 35,000 foot view and leave our listeners with, you know, some, I don't know, general takeaways on this, because God knows, I, I'm sure they haven't been able to follow the ins and outs of Alpha Bow and the AAR. It's a twisted road. Uh, but if there were some general takeaways, what would they be in your opinion? Um, I, I think one thing to note is that there are 59 companies that didn't pay their closure spend requirements, uh, for 2022. Uh, so far what the AER has given them is a global refer status, which means that they can't sell or buy assets without having the AER take a very close look at it. But that doesn't fix that those companies don't have a good financial situation or can't pay their their regulatory obligations. Uh, Alphabo is a trial run to see what the AER is going to do about those companies. Uh, and I think that we, we're either going to see the AER go back to just ignoring regulations when companies can't pay to meet them, or we're going to see a big wave of uh, assets sent to the Orphan Well Association and it might be better to see things sent to the Orphan Well Association, because otherwise the problem's still there. We're just going to be ignoring it again. And of course, here's here's the rub: uh, the Orphan Well, there's the Orphan Fund, which is meant to pay for these, and the Orphan Well Association administers them, administers this, and actually does contracts uh, out to get the reclamation work done. But the bill is picked up 
by the industry. There's a levy, which last year was $135 million. And, and the industry essentially pays for that. And the industry it started out, I don't know, uh, uh, whenever the orphan well fund got in the nineties. Uh, and it was 10 million bucks. It was 3 million bucks and it went up to $10 million. And the industry was squealing like a stuck pig then because it was too much. And then it in 2021, I think it was $72 million and they were squealing about that. And oh my God, when it became $132 million, then the industry was really upset. If you put Alpha Bose Wells into the Orphan Well uh, Association's inventory, I don't know what the levy would be, but it would be a lot more than $135 million. And, and the industry has a... I mean, this is a captured regulator, right? So if the industry doesn't want that to happen, doesn't want the levy to go up anymore, it probably won't. So who's going to pay? Well, Alpha Bow should pay. It can't pay. Uh, the Orphan Well Association could do it, and industry could pay, but they don't, they don't want to pay either, and they've got the political club to make them not pay. So who pays? There's nobody left standing to pay. And uh, that's all correct. Another odd detail is that one thing Alphabo said is that the OWA contacted them at one point to say, you know, we're going to push you into bankruptcy. And somehow Alphabo talked them out of it. And the hearings, the, the record wasn't totally clear to me on why the OWA said we're going to do it and then didn't do it. But the yeah, the company blamed the AER and the AER said, we don't control the OWA. So I actually am not even clear on what the OWA wants to happen anymore. Well, uh, I, here's my takeaway from our conversation. Uh, remember uh, that the uh, oil and gas industry in Alberta is basically split between the conventional side, which we're talking about, and then the oil, the oil sands side, which is much bigger, about six times uh, the, the size in terms of production. And the oil sands has, has its own regulatory issues, big problems there. And such that the there are a number of indigenous uh, First Nation chiefs who are saying, you know, the AER is captured, it's it's it it's dysfunctional, and it now needs to be replaced by a joint federal, provincial, and indigenous uh, organize managed organization. And my my take on this, Drew, is that the AER is done as a as a uh, as an institution. Uh, that can as a regulator it is so there are just so many things wrong with it it's made so many errors that it, it, you know it's got all these historic issues that it that that can't just as alpha bull shows can't be cleaned up uh it just is is snarled up in all of this and it's almost like we need to break it down and and have a fresh start and and i i don't see how the aer can continue long, you know, maybe in the short term, another year or two or three or something, but every year it gets worse than the year before. And it, I think we're going to see the AER basically implode and uh, probably the industry is going to pressure government to replace it with something that that's kind of my take. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I don't see the AER going away until we have a provincial government that is interested in replacing with something else. Uh, I think David Yeager was 
apparently commissioned to provide some kind of review of the AER. I'm sure his advice will be to make the AER even more industry friendly. Uh, he's very clear that that's his overall goal. So I, I, it, I mean, if he has his way, they'll fire everyone who does inspections. And for the coming year, I, I think the big thing is to watch what indigenous groups do, because I think they're going to bring some kind of challenge to the AER, and that's going to have a lot of uh, legal weight. But I, I don't know what their strategy is yet. Okay, you you brought up Dave Yeager. We have to mention Dave Yeager. Dave, Dave has been around for, you know, since Christ was a child, at least 50 years in the industry. And he has he does two things. One is he's been in the service side of the industry for many, many years. Uh, but he's also a well-known writer. He writes in the various trade magazines and what have you, uh, and and was the publisher of the Roughneck uh, magazine for a long for a long time. And he's a pretty smart guy and and not a bad writer. I I I've called him a shill on many occasions, and he's really mad at me about that. By the way, uh, he's told me that. Uh, and so fair enough. But here's what Dave Yeager is a controversial figure. He's also the premier's premier Danielle Smith's former constituents no pardon me when she was president when she was the leader of the wild rose party which is kind of a precursor to the united conservative party that's in power now that she leads he was her party president so this guy he's not qualified he it has been reported is uh has received a seventy thousand dollar sole source contract to review the aer so here's a guy that as and other people pointed this out, he's just not qualified to do this work. You know, he doesn't have the background. He may be in the oil industry. That make doesn't make him qualified to review uh, an organization as complex as the as the AER. And and he got seventy thousand bucks. It was like you know off off the off the side of your desk, Dave. Uh, can you go out and take a give us an idea of what's wrong with this thing? I mean. This is how this is how things get run in Alberta. And that's the basic problem is it just goes. It's a it's a shit show, man. It, it is. So for listeners who aren't familiar with this, maybe you're from, you know, not in from Canada or maybe you're Canadian and you're not from Alberta. This is there's this is a, a, a cautionary tale that has no clear. We have no, there's no clear resolution, no way to clean it up. It is a mess and it's got a humongous price tag attached to it at some point when the industry, when the bill comes due. Anyway, that's my rant for the day. Drew, do you want to close the interview with a rant of your own? Um, I, I think in picking Jaeger government, I mean, the UCP picked their advice. They already know what Jaeger is going to tell them. They already know where this is going. I mean, in 2019, I think you wrote a book where he said the two things that they really needed to do were build two more big oil sand mines. Uh, and we're just going to continue to see the AR muddle along for an unbelievably long time because we've been talking about this for three years. And the situation is not getting much better. And because we're missing our our time, like the 2020s are the last chance to fix this, I think. There's, it, it really looks that way. Uh, the important years are getting away from us and Albertans are not getting very much progress. So we're in big trouble. Uh, yes. Um, the International Energy Agency uh, has forecast peak oil demand in 2030 with a decline somewhere probably starting in the mid-2030s. Mid 
that will be a very difficult time for the industry. And it'll be one more excuse why we can't do anything because, you know, look at how this industry is being disrupted and it can't afford it. Yeah. So it's very difficult. I, I apologize to listeners uh, who are probably scratching their head and wondering what the hell did they just talk about? Uh, because this is such a, I've never seen such a complex story. Never, never seen the like of it. And it is a tragedy. It's a travesty that needs to be fixed in some way. And, and it doesn't appear that it will ever be fixed. And the people of Alberta are going to suffer for it. Anyway, I've, I'm done my ranting. That, Drew, as always, uh, thank you very much for your insights. And I have absolutely no doubt that we will have you on in the near future again, because there will be something else going on with the AER and the oil and gas industry. Absolutely. I'll come on and... Uh... The Alphabo decision from the AER should be out within 90 days. So we'll get it by the, the end of February unless they take an extension. Oh, goody. We can confuse everybody for another half an hour. Look yep. forward to it. Okay. Thanks, Perfect. Drew. Take it easy.